You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by my very uncommon guest, Shiraz Sadiq. He's the founder of Christian Business Harvest Network, which empowers business professionals to fulfill their God-given capacities. He's a serial entrepreneur, a John Maxwell certified coach, former pastor, currently serving as the editor for Canadian SME Small Business Magazine. He's an author, speaker, media host, husband, father, most importantly, a follower of Jesus Christ. It's my pleasure to have him on the show. Shiraz, welcome to the Uncommon Podcast. Thank you. And that that intro, man, uh, you just made me realize that I might need to slow down. I'm up to a lot and all of that is true. And uh, man, do I really do all those things? I never really stopped to take inventory, but uh, yeah, and there's a couple other things in there. But that aside, the the label of un- our uncommon guest, yeah, I think people would definitely, qual- I definitely qualify as uncommon. So we're certainly- In a good way, in a good way. Good, yeah, definitely in good company. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah, it's great to be with you again. Um, I really enjoyed just the brief initial conversation we had last week, just getting to know each other. So I'm excited to just hit the resume button on that. And even going back to your bio and just everything that's on that with with your wealth of work experiences and achievements, I'm curious, like, how would you distill all this down to the quote unquote assignment that God has placed on your life? Wow, uh, tough question. Uh, but I've been able to to over the years formulate uh, in in answer that it might be meaningful to someone listening in. But if anything, Ryan, it was meaningful to me. I'm the one that has benefited from answering a bunch of questions, and I think that's one of the impetus for this book is so people can answer questions. Uh, you'll often hear this question asked by smart people who say, "Hmm, well, what does that look like? What does that really look like?" And asking questions, asking, I'm a huge fan of asking questions and even really great questions. I love it because that's how you can spawn thought, right? And mm-hmm, ideation questions. But at some point, you have to answer the questions that <laughs> you're, you're asking. You might be right. You might be wrong. But that identity question of who we are is, again, one of the impetus for this book as far as getting that question answered in, uh, um, when you ask me, you know, what has my journey kind of looked like uh, and how do I reconcile the various assignments that I've been on over the years? I was uh, 19, headed off to seminary. Uh, my uncle was a pastor and I was supposed to take over his ministry. And uh, we we're at his home at on a Sunday after service, making plans for the summer outreach evangelistic initiatives that we were going to execute. Uh, to um, it, the communities that we are, we were a part of, and it was a simple question: How are we going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 it people were uncomfortable with that question. 
it became a matter of faith. I'm like, no, 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 uh, that's an accounting question. That's not a faith question. That's an accounting question. And God will provide. Yes, I believe you, but I just needed to see a clear path. And I thought it was reasonable, but people felt that I was being uh, less um, as less faithful than mm. perhaps what I, I could and should be. I literally, that transformed my life. I, uh, I had, did I deregister? I don't know what I did. I dropped out. I didn't even start in seminary. This is June. <laughs> I was supposed to start in September. And I enrolled in a local community college and started my journey sales and marketing, man. And uh, I haven't looked back now before. Uh, I'll pass it back to you. Within three years of that moment, I was I ended up pastoring at another church. Okay. And it's been, and for the next 15 years of my life, it was just confusing, man, back and forth. I'm in corporate world, hitting literally record sales achievements with me and my teams and national sales manager, doing a lot of big things, and then pastoring. And then back in the corporate world, making some really good money. And then back pastoring. And then finally, God said, okay, can you put it all down and answer some questions? Because I'm about to ask you. And I think that's a lot of what this book has is a bunch of questions that I'm hoping it it causes and challenges people to ask. Yeah. Reflecting back on that time, why do you think God had you go back and forth from the business world to, you know, the, the world of ministry? And, and not to say that when you're in business, like that can't be your, your ministry as well. But why do you think he had you kind of on that yo-yo journey? <laughs> always found this. Uh, uh Isaiah said, says, uh, um, kings will come to the brightness of your dawn. It also says in Isaiah that your gifts will make room for you. And I would always have people, hey, Shiraz, what's your secret sauce? I'm talking about, you know, in, in a corporate setting. Uh, how do you get all of these results? And my answer was very candid, very straightforward with a smile on my face. God really likes me. And I got to tell you, right, two responses, right? Like two responses. Uh, this guy's weird. I'm, I'm out of here. And they're gone. Or what do you mean? I'll tell you what. Why don't we, won't we uh, connect for a coffee afterwards? There's a Starbucks around the corner. Why don't we connect for a coffee? And we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it. I found that um, bandwagon is real when it comes to sports. But peace, people also in every arena want a piece of glory. Hmm. And when, I, when people are seeing the results, meaning i.e. the glory of God on my life, they wanted a piece of it and they want to know how they can get in on it. And it was simple. And I found my desk to be a pulpit that my work was the invitation. But if I asked them to come to church because I was preaching that Sunday, man, they got to break the, the rhythm and the routine. They got to get up early, come to church, but they don't know anybody. It's awkward. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, people do that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It happens. But I found that my desk was just as powerful as a pulpit as my pulpit on the stage on a Sunday. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's more of like a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, from from the pulpit, you're speaking kind of more to the the masses or at least a bigger group. Whereas I imagine, you know, it sounds like with with the desk and the business side of it, it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one connections. Absolutely. And, and, and what a difference it can make because it adds up, you know, any ministry that i've encountered and been a part of or you know associated with you just end up having a lot of friends who are pastors and i do have a lot of friends who are pastors yeah. um the ones who have churches that are a little smaller 
versus churches that are, are a little larger, you'll see that um, no matter large or small, everyone wants to preach to a big crowd, whether they admit it or not. Mm. They might not say it out loud, but the desire is always to, you, you put in work, like we got preachers and pastors across the globe, man, putting in work to prepare for that Sunday because they care so much about the people that they're going to be staring at on a Sunday. And they put in work. And when you put in that much effort to prepare, man, you want to be able to give that goodness to as many people as possible. Sure. And so the idea of a larger crowd on a Sunday, who wouldn't want that? But then you say something different. You say, is there a different impact when you do a one-on-one versus a crowd? Now, is one better than the other? And that's where when we can just present ourselves as tools in God's hands to be who he needs us to be to the people and the places where he needs us to be. If you can get on that tip, then it no longer matters the size of the crowd. Yeah, that's great. It's like, what is that barometer of quote unquote success? Because even as you're talking, I think about Jesus and a lot of his interactions in the gospels were one-on-one or with, with small groups of people. But he also had the Sermon on the Mount in times where he was addressing large crowds. And there's there's benefits to to both. It's like it's like what you said, just yielding to God and what he calls you to in that that moment. And I think resisting the urge to define success by the the size of the crowd or the the following. The amount of investment that he made with those disciples over those three years. A lot of that was small group living and small group loving. A lot of it was just that one-on-one interaction that you're, that you're talking about, right? It was personal. It was punchy. I mean, how do you go to one of your homeboys and say, get thee behind me, Satan? <laughs> yeah. What? What? It's like you walked up to Peter's face and said, what? You yeah. told your boy that to get thee behind me, Satan? Come on, man. That That's that's Is harsh, he still kicking but... it with you? <laughs> Well, he did run for a little bit, but he came yep, back. Yep. He came he back. Did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 it's that same concept. You write a book. Do you want it to be a bestseller and sell millions of copies? Whether people want to admit it or not. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. But on the flip side, man, the stories I've been able to hear, uh, you know, chapter this has really changed mm. my life. Thank you. I got grown men crying on the phone with me saying, Hey, I don't know why you're in my business. Why are you talking? I was like, I'm not talking like, (laughs) like, I, 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 honestly, I didn't know. And you know, people that I, I think some of the greatest stories have been people that I don't even know reaching out. Uh, when you get the reports from Amazon, for example, that, you know, you sold X amount of books in Australia and Japan, uh, it's a small world, right? And Mm -hmm. you just, you know, throw, throw your book up there and it's selling around the world you never know what is on the other side of your obedience. You see, I never set out to be an author. I just set out to be obedient to God. Here's a seed of my life and some experiences in this book and let God do with it what he needs to do with it. Right. And so that was kind of what got me to write it. Yeah. Very cool. No, I'm, I'm excited to go deeper into the, the purpose and the mission behind the book. And before we do that, because one thing I did share with you on our previous call is just listening to other podcasts where guests come on and, and very successful guests with very interesting stories, promoting their resources or businesses or, or even their life philosophies. 
but I find myself often kind of left wanting to know more about who they are as, as men and women. And kind of, as you touched on just that identity piece and their core values, uh, their, their dreams, those things. So I even want to give myself and listeners the opportunity just to, to learn more about who Shiraz is as a man and just have you kind of pull the curtain back on, on your life. If, if that sounds good. Yeah. I'm absolutely okay with that. One of my proudest moments uh, I, I I have two daughters. They're both in unit. They're both in university, and you know, um, hopefully, we, my wife and I, have done a decent job with them, enough that they can make their own decisions on their own. And uh, we're still there, parenting and guiding, and just enjoying watching them grow up and become successful. But one of the greatest moments that I had was when my younger one said to me, "Dad, you're the same person that you are at church." when we're out hanging and that you are at home. Thank you. Wow. It, it like, it still gets me a little emotional when I think about that moment because it wasn't like that before. Uh, when they were younger, I was pastoring at uh, one of the large church churches in the, in, in uh, just outside of Toronto and um, not the head pastor. I was one of the pastors on staff mm-hmm. and part of the management team there. And, and um I just couldn't shake the verse having a form of godliness mm. but denying the power thereof uh right i had it going on like we we were doing programs with uh the city uh and churches and cities don't really get along and we were but we, we did we had programs going on with with the you know on a, a political provincial and municipal sorry not uh provincial but a municipal level and um God, uh, I was a youth pastor at that time of one of the largest ministries and with a huge profile, like we were known for our youth ministry, like we'd have youth retreats and there'd be like 400 kids show up. Uh, uh, We'd have buses come up from uh, Detroit uh, to, to, to be a part of our, uh, you know, uh, our, our youth retreats. And I got, let's just say that I couldn't go anywhere um, in public without people recognizing me. Hmm. And God says, uh, uh, put it down <laughs> and, and and again it was um peter moment get thee behind me satan was like that's not god like get out of here devil like who, who are you talking to like you're not talking to me you're not going to get me to walk away from my destiny and i couldn't shake it i couldn't shake it and when i finally obeyed and walked into uh the pastor's office our senior pastor and, and told her look, look um got to do this uh you know it, it, whether it went well or not wasn't the point but that act of obedience saved me because i was finally able to figure out take the time to figure out who i am because for years i was in ministry as i mentioned and then corporate setting in ministry corporate setting i was like god can you make up your mind and god's response was i have can you walk the line can you get comfortable being both that's your assignment son can you just be unified in who you are in the workplace and at church and at home and if you can be the same person then you're always going to be effective wherever you are and and you'll find that people who are tapped into their identity of who they are are comfortable in no matter the setting they're okay saying yes or no They're okay with whatever comes and goes because their security and assurity is in their DNA because it was always there anyways. 
And so when you're asking me who I am, man, I'm living a life in which it's okay for me to be Shiraz. And, you know, the first 30 something years of my life, I always had a deficit. I always saw myself as there's this wrong with me. There's that wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. Uh, I'm not short enough. Uh, uh, I'm not white enough, if I can say that, uh, uh, I, you know, as a minority growing up. But the difference for me, I'm a minority within a minority. Okay, so I'm from Pakistan. And, and, and so, again, you asked me a question. Can I peel back the layers and like... Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let people Let's get in? into it. All right. So uh, I don't fit in because, you know, like growing up in the 80s in Canada, it's a pretty racist country, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll leave that out of the equation for, for a moment. Those are my experiences. Um, very different now. Very different now. Um, but when I'm hanging out with brown people in Canada, by the way, I don't think in the States you say brown, it's more... Latin, Mexican. Oh, sure. In Canada, brown here is Indian because there's a whole lot more Indian Pakistani people here. Uh, there's just a lot of us here. Uh, <laughs> but now when I'm with my brown friends, I'm Christian and there's not a lot of Christian brown people. Hmm. So I don't fit anywhere. Imagine your entire life up until your 30s, you just don't fit in. Like, again, you don't fit in with white, you don't fit in with black. You don't fit in even with your own people because of religious differences. So there's mm -hmm. cultural differences, and then there's religious differences. That was hard. It was uh, a, a really tough existence, and I always felt that pulling, and finally God had to arrest me. I had to put down one of the best assignments that I thought that he'd given me and take my time to figure it out. But boy, I tell you, when I did, my the trajectory of my life went like this. I'm hitting ministry levels now that I never did before. And I thought I had it going on, right? Like I thought my marriage was great. Now marriage is great. Mm -hmm. And it's after I stopped, asked questions, but more importantly, right? Uh, answered them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're talking about just the power of knowing your true identity in Christ and how that's unshakable. And, and I think that's something that we all, um, as as Christians, as followers of Christ, have struggled with at times. And I know I continue to struggle with it um, some days more than others of just holding fast to who I know I am in Christ and not letting the external circumstances of life you know, shake that. So I'm curious to know, like, how would you articulate your identity in Christ and, and what is the power that that gives you to walk in the calling God's place on your life? Okay, I'm gonna come. Uh, uncommon response. Yeah, right. uh, uncommon podcast. Uncommon guest. Uncommon uh, response. What finally put things into perspective for me um, is, uh, I think, is Matthew, and says, uh, "Our best works are filthy rags in His sight." And I finally settled the issues. I'm not good enough. Amen. <laughs> I will not be smart enough. Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, I I don't measure up. I, uh, Paul says he's the chief of sinners. Well, he has competition right here. <laughs> and when I was finally able to settle all those issues, like, oh my gosh, I don't measure up. And it's like, yeah, you don't. So can you just bring your five loaves and two fishes and watch what I do, boy? Watch what I do, son. Watch what I do. Can you just bring whatever you got 
and let me take it the rest of the way. But all I need you to do is just show up on a regular, show up on a regular. You might not know what to say. You might not know what to wear. You might not know a lot, but let me tell you what you do know. And so knowing him, securing myself and anchoring myself to the grace of the cross, man, that's where I was able to embrace the grace for my race. Mm. And that changed everything. That scripture right there, our best works, our filthy rags in his sight, it wasn't condemning. It was so liberating yeah. and it set my soul free. What's the standard that I got to live up to? My five loaves and my two fishes. Will I bring it on a daily? That's my responsibility. And that's that's kind of how I see myself in Christ and my identity. I, I see my identity as a responsibility. Five loaves, two fish. Let's go. Yeah. And it sounds like you're seeing him multiply that that humble offering in what you're doing today, which is so cool. You always want more. I I won't I I won't, uh, I, I, I won't folks listening in, I'm not gonna overinflate and say, yes, you know, Faraz has arrived. He ain't even close. And he's always uh he always wants more. Like there, there, there's something insatiable about the human nature of what we can um, uh, accomplish. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Um, Ryan, typically, I won't say all churches, most churches, some churches, typically you'll see a focus on the heart and, and, and you know, a, a heart thing when it comes to religion and the things of God. And one of the concepts that I wrestled through and struggled through God, then why you give me a brain? Why'd you give me strategy? Why do I evaluate things differently? Not from my heart, but from my head. Then how do I infuse and bake my faith in my father and bring my brain to the party too? And again, more liberation. And God's a, God, I just honestly, I felt like God giving me a let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's bring that brain to the party. And then again, that changed a whole lot of ministry for me because it wasn't just, it goes back to when I was 19. How are we going to pay for this? Okay, well, what's the strategy? Uh, a great story, Ryan, that um, we read is when um, uh, there's uh, a father who brings his son to Jesus mm -hmm. and uh, he's possessed. And, and we all know that Jesus can just one little side look and that demon's going to fly, right? Like, Hey, mess around. He's went, what, what, what? And demon's gone, right? Yeah. And he, he didn't, he, he took the time to console the father. And that's why he did. He asked them questions. That's why I love questions. Uh, he took the time and, and he said, how long has he been like this? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And it was like, he wanted the, he wanted the report. He was asking questions to, to gather intel, to figure out what was going on in that scenario come on man he he created the the the, the universe you don't think just one little side glance and that demons right. flying out freaking out shrieking out yeah but he asked questions and the second part of that is um another turning point in my life and i, I refer to a scripture having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof there is, uh, if you continue in that story, the man's response is, um, you know, I believe, 
help me with my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Jesus, like, such an honest, such an honest response. Powerful, right? Universally, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. There's a God in the in the heavens, and, and the Holy Spirit is among us doing things that we're called for a purpose. The great, the grace is there, salvation is there, the blood of the Lamb. Book of Revelation, the book of Genesis. So universally, we believe these things to be true, but identity is captured and we become enraptured in it when we believe it's for me. And that changes everything. Do I believe that God can heal my XYZ in that scenario for that father? Do I believe that God can heal my son? Yes. But can he do it for me Mm. right now? That changes everything. Will he do it for me right now is I believe that you can universally, but will you do it specifically for me? And when we get a hold of that, that's where your identity in Christ begins to swell up and be and mushrooms, right? And becomes like that mustard seed is when you not only believe that God can, because I think most Christians probably believe a a lot of universal principles in the Bible, Mm -hmm. but do you believe that he can for you? Yeah. And when you tap into that, identity becomes something that you got to pursue and chase down. Do you think even part of that question is, am I worthy enough? <laughs> Open it, a can worth. But that's, I mean, that's where I, th- I know I personally struggle. I was like, I know you can do this, God. I think you will. But in the back of my mind, I doubt that maybe I deserve whatever it might be. So while we're recording this, uh, I'll be more, uh, 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 you know, more transparent. I'm going through that right now. And, and, and it's beautiful. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have it all together. And God bless them. I'm not one of them. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I, I'm one that literally is like, you know, pick up that cross daily. Sometimes I don't even know where my cross is. Hmm. Where did I leave that? <laughs> right? And like right now, what you just said is what I'm like going through right now. Like, God, you got to come through in X, Y, Z. Um, maybe I bit off more than I chew. Are you sure I should be doing this right now? Are you sure? Because I'm not sure. And if that's you listening in right now and you're not sure, uh, I'll share with you what has always helped me. Always. Every single time. When you got a sense that this is what God has for you, but you're just not sure and like Gideon, you want to fleece, flip it over, let it be wet, let it be dry, let it be wet, let it be yeah. dry. Um, if, if that's you, one of the things that, again, liberated me, I mentioned a couple of thoughts that have liberated me and just set me free, right? Is uh, when he says that all things work together for those who are in Christ Jesus, as Paul in one of his letters, that means even your mistakes. Even if you make a left turn, God will use it and turn it around and serve it, serve a purpose for your life and turn, make it out for your good. So even if you mess up, it's like a step up to where you got ahead anyways. So it's okay. The worst thing that we can do is do nothing. He says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but lukewarm doing nothing. He says, how long? And I know this is somebody for somebody specific who's listening in right now, but you've been hanging out in the middle. And when he says, how long will you halt between two thoughts? How long will you stay in the 
middling in the middle. Decide. And he even says, I wish that you were hot or cold. Like, make up your mind. Decide. And when you make that, everyone's praying for direction all the time, Ryan. I'm sure you have conversations with so many people all the time. You know, I'm just looking for God's direction. I just need to know what to do. You don't get direction without a decision. So you're saying act first. What's the worst that can happen? You're wrong. Oh, we're wrong all the time anyways. The problem is shame gets in the way like the Garden of Eden and guilt gets in the way. I've messed up so many times. I don't want to mess up again. I've lost so many times. I don't want to lose again. It didn't work out the last time. How do I know it's going to work out this time? And I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing, man. And I don't want to lose again. Yeah. Yeah, I think man, so much of what you're saying is is resonating. And I, I do think, I think a lot of times we think God is giving us, there's one only one right decision to make. And God wants to see if we can make the right one. But I think the reality is a lot of times he gives us options. He's just like, I want you to pick. And maybe it will, will lead to uh, a mistake. But failure, I, I th- I'm coming around to see like there's no such thing as failure as long as you try. And if you are able to learn from it and learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you and also build the character that he's trying to to grow in you through your your trials and your struggles, I, I'm, I'm right there with you as far as like, I don't want to look back on my life and and wonder how God could have used me had I just taken that first step of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I thought, I thought He's the God of the impossible. Decisions take faith, and when you don't have all the information, because we are not God and we are not sovereign, that's what faith is. Take that step. What's the worst that can happen? It's the hope yeah. in the things we don't see. Wow! Right. The worst that can happen is you flexed your faith in the direction of a father who you're going to please. Mm. And I assure you, when you please your heavenly father, ooh, the favor follows. Favor isn't fair. Some people just walk in a measure of favor that, you know, is doesn't seem fair. But we don't know the private moments that they've taken steps of faith. But we see them in public, God honoring uh, God honoring their, you know, their his sons and his daughters across the globe, and we're like, oh, but you don't know what their private life, but you know yours. So why don't you do something about your private, faith-filled moments and do something about those? Whether you're going to be right or wrong, he'd rather you step out of the boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to sink or swim, but Jesus is still saying, you know, the worst one out of twelve. 11 people weren't like, no, sir, I got out of this boat. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. As you can tell, I reference Peter a lot because uh, maybe I don't swear as much as he did, but I, 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 I identify with, he, with who he was uh, a, a lot. And I jump out of the boat, man, but I've sunk so many times, but he's always grabbed my hand and pulled me out. Yeah. But I'd rather jump out and drown, but I haven't drowned than stay still and do nothing in a boat. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Uh, you know, for the people listening in, you know that there's some something tugging at your heart. You know that there is something that you got to potentially do. What are you going to do? 
what are you going to do? Talk to some people, get the intel you need. But at the end of the day, without a decision, God can't give you the direction. Yeah. And prayer is certainly an important aspect of, of preparing. And even as you talk about those personal disciplines, the verse where Jesus tells people to, to go into that private room and pray, and then your father who sees what you do in private will reward you openly. And that's absolutely crucial. Do you think you can get stuck in that prayer and it kind of paralyzes you from taking action and you're just praying and praying until you feel like God clearly says now is the time to go or your thoughts on that? When I figure out the answer, I'll let you know. I don't think you can get enough prayer, but faith without faith without works is dead. Right. It, it, it's, there is a marriage between what we pray and what we say. That's on one. See, prayer for most people, most people, maybe I shouldn't say the word most. Uh, uh, there's a typical sense that prayer is us, you know, saying to God. Um, so we're still saying, but it's the doing. So I, I, I don't have that equation nailed down where yeah. the perfect balance between prayer and action, uh, you know, to me, there's a big word practice because to me, uh, I smash together prayer and action and it comes out practice. Nice. When I smash together prayer and action, it comes out practice practice. I don't know. <laughs> like that. I play, I play games with my own head, but like yeah. practice is a big deal, uh, 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 for me. It's put it, put your prayer into practice. There we go. We know this, um, uh, quote from Gandhi. He says, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Okay, so be the change, kind of shrunk it to be the change. Okay, okay, cool. Um, my take on that is be the prayer that you pray. Be the prayer. Hashtag be the prayer. People don't say hashtag anymore. Stop it, Charles. Uh, <laughs> uh, be the prayer. Can you be the prayer that you pray today? So this morning, this afternoon, this evening, uh, like the next time you pray, what have you pray? I dare you. I dare you to figure out a way to be the very words that you just declared to your father. I, I dare you see yeah. what happens. Be the prayer, be the change, be the prayer. And so to, you know, uh, the thought that you, you, you presented about, you know, how much prayer versus action, you know, like at what point, uh, the point could be possibly once you, once you're done praying. <laughs> yeah. Ask God for courage and then go act. So I want to, yeah, I want to spend our kind of last time together getting into your book. So well done, A Passionate Pursuit of Purpose. As I've read it, you're tackling a difficult and complex concept of purpose or, or one's quote unquote calling. And I would say this topic is close to heart for me, especially in my current season of life, building this platform uncommon, trying to empower men and women just to step in their uncommon lives and create that and doing that through leadership retreats and through the podcast and, and through community. And, you know, I'm also at a spot where I'm looking for a new full-time job to provide for my family. Cause I haven't cracked the code yet on monetizing this calling that I feel God's given me, but still being so passionate about it that I'm not, I'm not going to set it off to the side. So one of our pillars that we've discussed is worthwhile work. Just this pursuit of purpose in one's profession, it's top of mind for me as I seek to honor God with my work and walk in his will. So, 
you know, getting into your book, like you start the intro kind of setting the scene for judgment day. It's actually a pretty, it's a pretty intense and sobering uh, start. Um, and we see this picture of the sheep and the goats being separated and you write how some standing before, or rather this is what's in God's word. Some standing before God's throne will refer to him as Lord, Lord. However, his response to them is depart from me. And that verse goes on to say like you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's verse 41. And then you, you write how like Christians sitting to the left and right of us in church on Sunday could be perishing in the pews, which I, I certainly don't object to. And that is a sobering thought and, and should be one that causes even self-reflection. And then you, and then in the next sentence you write far, far too often we see people who are living below the fullness of what God has for their lives. So kind of the question that that brings for me is, is twofold. Like, what do you mean when you talk about living below the quote unquote fullness of what God has for you? And then how can a person who professes faith in Christ, like, know if they are in fact living before that fullness i'll use um uh samson as an example and uh, i write a little bit about him uh, i wrote a little uh i wrote another book that i won't release uh until god says uh just a whole little thing on samson and uh, i had a fun time studying the guy i think he's uh, absolutely fa fascinating character um and who knows one of these years i might uh release it but one of the most powerful elements that i see about samson is uh his purpose everyone looks at his hair and they say you know when they that was the source of his power and we know the story hopefully folks you you know samson's story and and at some point they uh the the bad guys got a hold of him and they cut off his hair and what happens is he loses his power, his, his supernatural strength. And that was one of the gifts that he had. And he's able to beat up a lot of bad guys and, and um, you know, win the day and be the hero. But now he's uh, grinding away, wasting away with average human strength because he gave up the goods. While he's grinding away, something powerful begins to happen. And... He doesn't get it, but he starts feeling the wheel when he wakes up in month three. Hey, this is getting a little easier. Why is this wheel a little easier to push? And we see that eventually he goes out and destroys the whole temple. Like he literally moves the pillars out of the way and uh, it collapses. And he, he destroys more bad guys on the, in one day than he did in his entire life. Folks. What happens is the power was never in his hair. The power was in his God-given DNA. And it had no choice but to grow back. And as his, his very DNA said, I'm not giving up because I'm still here. His very DNA caused his hair to begin to grow back month after month after month after month. And now he has his long flux because we historians will say that he was jailed for a minimum of six months maybe up to xyz uh period right that he was he was in the the in the mill just grinding wheat going in circles on a daily basis Listen, if you're listening in and you feel like you've made some bad decisions join the club your hair is growing back if you feel like you're doing the wrong things you got to switch and pivot 
join the club, your hair is growing back. There is always another opportunity. No one can rob you of you. Your hair is growing back. And in that moment where you feel like your judgment day may go left or right and you're just not sure, that's what this oxygen that you just inhaled is all about, another opportunity. Every sunrise presents us with another moment to do something about that judgment day. There, th th there's this thought that uh, judgment day is this like future sense, right? Like it, it's coming, judgment day. But the reality is judgment day has been happening uh, billions of times already. Why would I say that? Because the moment that you die, you cannot add a single second to your contribution to the kingdom. You're done. You punch a ticket, you out. You better get on it now. Judgment day is in a future point. It's the moment that you stop breathing. Your judgment day has arrived because it's just a matter of eventuality when that day does come, but you can't add a single second to it. You're done. It's over. That is also sobering for us. You, you used that word earlier, right? It's, it's like, wait a second. My judgment day isn't this future point. It's right now. You mean all I got really is tomorrow now? It's a little cliche to say that. But your hair is growing back. God has not given up on you. His grace is still sufficient for you. His mercies are new every single morning. There is a, a Christian neuroscientist. Her name is Dr. Carolyn Leaf. I've yeah. studied a lot of her books. And, and then I had the opportunity to uh, meet her. I hosted an event. She came and speak and I was the host and I got to hang out with her. My wife and I hung out with her and her husband. Hello, Dr. Carolyn. If you remember mm -hmm. me, I don't know if you do or not, but just say hello. I'm sure you're listening, listening in right now. Um, uh, she talks about baby nerve cells, the way that our brain is designed. And every morning they regenerate. But if you don't use them in a certain time period, in a matter of hours of waking up, Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And if you use it, it joins the working class of your brain cells and now you have greater capacity and it matters what you do when you first wake up. Scientifically proven, another story. But, uh, and it's not, not about waking up early. I'm a morning person or I wake up late. I'm not a morning person. Whenever you wake up, what you do in those first few it really matters because you get you get to literally grow your brain capacity always being fresh and charged up regardless of your age it really makes a difference and it's the same thing your hair is growing back your baby nerve cells are there to provide something for you do something with those first uh, moments of light when the sun hits your eyes and you wake up maybe a light bulb i don't know whatever it is that wakes you up do something with it and you'll see a world of a difference yeah be transformed through the renewing of your mind, which I think is sp speaks to this idea of living in the fullness of what God has, has called you to. So you give a, an example in the book of someone who, you know, maybe is, is working as a, as a mechanic and, but wonders if God has called them to be a pastor. And I can just think of people that might listen to this and myself included of just, Someone who loves Jesus is working in a job, but wonders or has a hunch that there is, I don't know if you want to call it a higher calling, but that's what we're talking about is just this calling, this purpose. And, and the last thing that 
either of us wants is for that person to then start to question like their salvation of like, am I not even like living in obedience because I'm not walking in my calling? And you've, you've done a good job of explaining the, the relationship between faith and just the works that God's called us to do. Even, um, you know, the verse after Ephesians 2 8 um, says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So there is that, I think the test of genuine faith is whether or not it produces obedience. But for someone that might listen to this and just feel like they're, they love God, they're, they're striving to abide in Him and, and obey His will for their life, but they don't feel like they're in their calling, like what might you say or what, what question might you even ask that individual? Uh, I've done, uh, I, I've, I've had multiple different uh, jobs, career paths, and I love it. I wouldn't do it any other way. I don't think I could be in the same organization for more than five years. As a matter of fact, I haven't been in the same organization my whole entire life for more than five years. And I love it. Um, in the same role anyways, but my wife, uh, she's been at uh, one of the banks here in Canada uh, 20 plus years in the same department. You know, she's got promotions over the years. Now she's some big senior director. So proud of her. Um, and, you know, every year she renews her commitment. So it's not like, when am I going to retire? When is it on my job? My job. Every year she renews her. She asks the questions. And she says, is this really what I'm, and she gets that. Okay, God, what's my assignment now for this next year? It's not about changing and switching. It's about ensuring that you are on track. And if you're not sure, oh boy, make sure. Hmm. Eternity is on the line. Again, folks, I, I don't think uh, Ryan or myself are saying you're in the wrong career and you really need to be doing something else. No, just ensure that what you are doing is what you're supposed to be doing. And if it is awesome, congratulations, continue to do what God has called you to do. And I assure you're probably in the right place. But if you're not settled in your heart, if you're not certain or sure, keep chasing, keep looking. Bible says, Seek and you will find. I'm saying, can you prove that God is not a liar? Prove it. Prove that he doesn't lie when he says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be open. I've challenged God so many times. Uh, uh, this might be a little aggressive, um, uh, right? But this is just how I, 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 I have my relationship with God. And I don't expect anybody to have the, the the vibe and the connection that I have with my God, like we joke jokes all the time. He slaps me all the time. Like we got a good <laughs> a, a good thing going in on. In love, of course. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, of course. And, and, and you know, uh, the right foot of fellowship. I've gotten that a lot. Um, <laughs> the uh, I've challenged sometimes. God, you're gonna do this, or I'm packing up and I'm out. It's either true or it's not. And if it's not, I'm done with this Christianity thing. I'm out. I'm not wasting my time. I'm talking to God like this. In fear. And he's never struck me down. Never struck me down. He's okay being challenged. And if you are having a challenge, challenge him to bring the necessary resources, answer people in your life to get the answers that you need. Challenge him. 
don't just take it. Don't settle for a form of godliness. A part of the challenge of settling for a form of godliness, you begin to deny the fullness of the power that God actually wanted you to operate in. So we settle for being a youth pastor at a large ministry where you're getting a lot of a lot of attention. It's a big ministry. You're like 4,000 people. And this is, you know, you know, like 15 years ago, it's a big ministry. We're doing things on a decent level, not mega church America size, right? But for Canada, that's a pretty large church, okay? Uh, our population is only 35 million. So that's a pretty decent uh, uh, size church. And and I would have been settling. Folks, I'm not saying mechanic to pastor. I was pastoring and it wasn't what God had for me in that season mm -hmm. and i put that down i assure you it was hard it was difficult my mama was so proud of me for being a pastor she would tell all the friends my son he is a pastor and she would say it with such joy and pride pride and 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 and, and i think uh aside from telling our senior pastor that hey look i'm putting this down that was a difficult conversation because i felt like i was letting my mom down my mom was Muslim. And so when you come from a different faith into Christ, the fervor and passion that you have for Christ is different because you know what it is to live without him. You know what alternatives are. And so when she found Christ, man, she introduced us to him. And she was just like, like it was the best thing that ever happened. Her son is a pastor. Wow. Uh, and I had to tell her. You know, you settle for a form of godliness when you're trying to make other people happy, yeah. when you're making your spouse happy, your kids happy, but you know that you are not satisfied. And if you know that you know that something's not right, do you really want a depart from me response? Only you control that responsibility. That's a good, a good warning and, and challenge to, to all of us. Um, and even as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of the Psalms and just David bearing it all for God, all of his emotions, his humanity, and the challenges that he brings up to the Lord of just, where are you and, and what is going on? And do not turn your back on me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Um, I, I think God... God is honored by us being authentic and real. And I don't think we have to be, if we're confused about calling or, or just in a season of trial, I don't think we need to be stoic about that and, or go to church on a Sunday with a, a smile plastered on our face and pretend like we've got it all together and everything's going great. Like authenticity, even, even as you shared of like what your daughter said to you, it's like, you're the same now as you were before just being the real you and, a lot of times the real us is is very messy and broken and that's a that's a good thing because when we can acknowledge that i think that allows god to restore us and bring healing and, and show himself faithful and that that gives him glory so i appreciate you sharing all that as we as we wrap up you know one question i love to to ask listeners at the end of the show is um you know one of our other pillars is just victorious vision and what is that compelling life that you're wanting to create? And very much within the context of who God has created us to be and what, what his will for our lives is. But we each have 
as we've been talking about different callings. And I think it behooves us to have vision of the future and, and have a destination that we think is in, is in mind while also focusing every day on just what is that next step of obedience. But a part of that is whether you call it legacy or just the impact you want to leave. I always love to know like what, and this is my question for you, um, Shiraz is what do you hope that your loved ones will say about you when your time in this life is, is over? I think that's just it. It won't matter. I, like I get, again, I get a little emotional talking about it. Um, I flipped over to living for that audience of one. I, I'm crazy about my wife, man. I, I, I love her to bits. Her opinion really matters to me. And, you know, what I cook, I do all the cooking at home. So what I cook for dinner matters. And, and if she likes it or not, it matters. But my eternity, I need to make sure that he says it matters. Mm-hmm. And I hear what you're saying what my overarching um arcing or arching i don't know i always overarching <laughs> right yeah uh i'll go with overarching you're smarter than me so i'll, I'll follow no, no. your lead on that <laughs> uh it, 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 governance for my life is populating heaven with more christians uh not with more people who are not christian there's people are called to different places and spaces right and and i love the fact that people are ministry to people who are not yet have come to the full knowledge of who Christ is. And that's great. And I've been a part of many of those moments and I'm happy for them, but my heart still beats for the dormancy that exists in church. Mm. And what will matter to me is not what people say here, but the amount of people that I'll meet on the other side. And they say, thanks for that swift kick. Mm. Thanks for pushing me. Yeah. Thanks for challenging me. Uh, You know, when you challenge people, some people won't like it. And you, you, you turn people off. And I've come to terms with turning people off. And if somebody doesn't like it, because a lot most people want to avoid conflict, uh, they'll just cover up their lives with fig leaves and they don't want you to rip them off because you don't want to expose their shame, guilt, and pain. And, and, and you build up walls. And, and so what I would love for people to say about me is when we're on the other side of eternity, hey man, thanks for, thanks for challenging me. Because yeah. I do. That's just who I am. I challenge people on a regular. And I'm okay being challenged. But that's what I would love for people to see. But not the ones that remain. Because I did what I can. It's how many of them that were that 50-50. I can make it in, not make it in. You can make it in, I'm going to make it in. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Those are the ones. Their voices in eternity are going to matter to me. And, and, and I pray that the work that we do through uh, an organization that we run CBHN is pushing people to, um, you know, live their full God given destinies and, mm-hmm. and live it out. And that's, those are the voices I want to hear, but in eternity, yeah. not here. It's yeah. on the other side. Yeah. I'm just hearing, hearing the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's all that really matters. Right. That's so, it. Yeah. Any last thoughts or encouragement you want to leave with the listeners before we sign off? This has been an awesome conversation that flew by. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, uh, what time of the year it is, what time of the day it is. Uh, if this is a couple of years after or fresh off the press, you listen for a reason. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you listen to the whole thing and you're at the end of it. 
And if you made it this far, folks, uh, you're already the tip of the spear. It is uncommon for people to get through the whole thing. But if you're listening to this, I assure you, God is chasing you down just as much as you're searching. I assure you, he's chasing you down. Let him catch you. So slow down. He's chasing you down. Slow down. Just trust him that even if you put it down, he'll pick you right up. Let him catch you. Let him put that ring on your finger. Let him confirm his covenant with you. Let him sing over you and speak life and life abundantly. But can you slow down, quiet down, and let him catch you? And Ryan, I, I, I would say to you that when you're at the genesis or the early stages of uh, what you're doing, don't stop till you get all the way because it's going to get uglier. It's going to get worse. Uh, I work with small businesses uh, every day with the work that I do and, and, you know, help businesses incubate and accelerate and get off the ground and, you know, continue their journeys of, uh, you know, uh, from an entrepreneurship uh, perspective uh, with my work with this business magazine. And, uh, Ryan, you might experience darker days. And the, it's, it's a shame how people feel like God changed their mind. Well, God, I don't know if God called me to this anymore. And then three years down the road, they're doing something else. Mm -hmm. Stay committed, man, because what you do through the leadership sessions that you're delivering in the retreats that you're taking people on, folks, if you don't know about them, please hit up Ryan and get the information that you need to not only succeed, but to transcend the roadblocks that you're facing, whether it's in marriage or in business. Uh, the team that, you know, him and his team, when they get together and do these events and, and these weekends and these retreats, get in on it. Uh, here's the last thing that I'll say. Uh, and I say this quite frequently. If you could have done it alone, you would have already. Hmm. And if you haven't, find your people yeah. to get you there. And if Ryan can serve that purpose in your life, get on them and get on with it. If you want to reach out to me, get on with it and do it, but make a move. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. And thanks for taking the time uh, for having me on. Just really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's been my pleasure. That was all really well said at the end there. There's nothing that I have to add other than fear not listeners. I'll include links to where you can find Shiraz and engage with his, his content and his message and all the amazing things that he's doing. want to just thank you again, Shiraz, for coming on and uh, you've been listening to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, saying I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review, and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.